This is the CineSnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 140 of the CineSnob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Cody, we are at Disney Plus launch day today. Yeah. Uh, have you uh, had any success watching anything on the platform? I have. I uh, <laughs> I, uh, I had to sample the platform with something, so I went to an old standard for myself growing up, <laughs> which was Rookie of the Year. Uh, oh, Jesus. Famous baseball movie. Uh, just from the, just go, ahead, from the go, ahead and, go ahead and say the line that, that, uh, that makes you laugh. Oh, do you, mean, <laughs> do you mean funky butt lovin'? I mean funky butt loving, yes. <laughs> Which still to this day is a line that I cannot believe exists in a kids movie <laughs> when you when you just kind of piece it together. Uh but uh Yeah, when you parse it it it's it's kind of uh it's kind of bad, but Yeah. Uh but uh yeah, I mean I watched about four, 30, 45 minutes of it and it looked great. I mean, the cool thing is that it looks like a lot of their catalog if not most of their catalog stuff is in HD. So it's an automatic upgrade for almost everything that exists that's that's super old. Um, like Rookie of the Year has only been available on DVD, and, and at this point it looks way better, you know? So there's some poor bastard that had to sit through mastering <laughs> mastering Rookie of the Year to an HD video file somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, um, excuse me. It's uh, It's been a uh, sort of bug-filled launch. I've been watching on Twitter with people... Um, not being able to load, uh, getting a Wreck-It Ralph 2 screen as an error screen. Uh, but I, I was able to watch, uh, The Mandalorian this morning, early in the morning, which I dug. And, um, I've been watching The Simpsons now that it's moved over there. And what, you know, what's interesting is all of a sudden, uh, and I've seen this more than one place now, there's a renewed, uh, anger at The Simpsons, uh, being, uh, zoomed and cropped for 16 by 9. Right. Um, yeah. If I, didn't we go over this already <laughs> years ago? Years ago, yeah. Uh, when FXX started showing The Simpsons, they had remastered them, uh, tip- typically just sort of zoomed in and cropped to 16 by 9. But there is some leeway. There is some uh, finesse to it. You know, like everything that the every shot that would show like a TV screen is is still four by three but uh it does cut off some jokes and it's it's literally the same transfers that are still airing and, and all of a sudden uh the uh fever pitch has arisen again that these jokes are being cut off and there are some jokes being cut off by this cropping process but yeah. it is uh it's funny to see it's like well yeah this is how they've been airing for five years now since fxx launched in 2014 but you know i I sampled a Simpsons episode and I noticed that it it looked like and this is probably just a sign of the times but like it looked like the the whole picture was like moving up and down constantly. Mm, and I don't it, know it, it, what that was. Uh it depends on what season you were watching. I mean there there's This was season 7. Hmm. I don't know. I tried to watch King Size Homer and it was uh it looked like it just it just looked like someone was like shaking the screen every so often, just ever so slightly. Hmm. And I don't know I if don't that know. was a platform problem or a transfer problem. I don't really know. I haven't noticed that one. I've seen that one multiple times since it moved to FXX uh, and with the, you know when it was remastered in HD. But I haven't noticed that there are uh, certain jokes, and we've talked about this before that that get cropped out, and it, and I don't know why they've they haven't gone back and fixed it. At least fix the framing a little bit, but it's uh, it's funny to see people kind of complain anew about this thing with uh, with the launch of this new platform. And um, you said you did you uh, watch any of the remastered Star Wars films? I haven't, but that's on my list because the other thing I was going to bring up is that one other great thing about the platform is that so much of it is in 4K and then 4K HDR and then Dolby Vision for those who have that. So, like, um, all of the Star Wars movies are in 4K. Um, all of the Marvel movies, most of the Pixar, even some old... I saw that, like, Little Mermaid was in 4K HDR, too. So they have quite the catalog of uh, of really upscaled stuff. And again, in this case, 
I believe I believe you were right in that this is one of the first looks at 4K for you know a lot of those older Star Wars movies. Yeah, and uh, it's funny, and I sent you this article, and this is another thing that's making the rounds, is that the infamous uh, Han Solo Greedo scene where uh that was changed for the special edition of a new hope has been changed yet again in uh in in making uh making even less sense now that that's the one of course where where people say that han shot first and that's how the the scene played out in the original release and ever since the special editions were released in 20 i'm sorry in 1997 it's been uh han shooting in response to greedo shooting at him and now they've added there's there's one minor change where now Greedo says a word that sounds like McLucky or McCluskey or something like that. Have you seen that? I you know what? It's that's suddenly making sense about why I saw that word on Twitter all day today. I can't remember what the word how the word is spelled, but it's some it's like Malucky or McClucky or something. <laughs> it's 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 just a, a random alien word that's added to the scene before uh Greedo dies and uh I think it's it's it was a, a supposedly a change made by George Lucas years ago when the movie was going to be released in 3D and it uh this is the first time it's seen the light of day cuz they canceled the 3D re-release of those films. Remember back when they were doing that with everything? Yep. I certainly do. Yeah. That was a short-lived thing. <laughs> but uh but yeah, I, so that's going to be cool and then of course we we don't have it in time for today, but hopefully in future episodes we'll be able to talk uh in depth about some of the original programming. Um there's not a ton of stuff there, but enough to where, you know, there's two original movies out. There's the live action Lady and the Tramp and then uh the Bill Hader and Anna Kendrick Noel movie is also out on the platform. Yeah. Plus, uh, you know, some series like uh, Mandalorian and the Jeff Goldblum uh, series and the Imagineering you know, story. I'm really looking forward to that Imagineering story. You know what? One thing that I, I do appreciate and I appreciate more than than I uh, than I thought I would in this day and age is the staggered release of uh, the series. I know you, and you I disagree I know you, on this. You fucking millennial piece of shit. You want everything now. God damn it. But. Back in my day, we had to wait a week between shows. Yeah, no, so, did, I, so it's basically just TV again. <laughs> I do. It does. Um, it does feel a little. And this is a weird existential, like first world problem. It does feel a little better to not be pressured into watching ten episodes of the fucking Mandalorian by today at five p.m. Yeah, to, if to I be wanna, in the if, zeitgeist. Yeah. So. So I will I will welcome that. And and I got to say I I'm as an old guy I do kind of uh, enjoy that. As a guy who can't spend all fucking morning and evening binging TV shows, I I would oh. appreci- I appreciate that. And one other thing, just as a moment of just to make this announcement, um coming January 1st, 2021, D2 The Mighty Ducks. Oh. Uh, so basically I, D2 and D3 are like January of 2021 and then the first Mighty Ducks is like August of next year. There's oh, placeholders wait. on there. So the the sequels come out come to Disney Plus before the original? No, no, no. The original comes 2020 summer and then 2021 oh. beginning of 2021 is the Mighty Ducks sequels. So where are they at now? That usually means they're streaming somewhere else. I believe they're HBO if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But uh, that was one of my big things. But the Mighty Ducks animated series is there. Um, I actually flipped through all the movies and the um, TV shows earlier. And, man, there's some random stuff in there. That, that Mighty Ducks thing, if I recall, that's totally, completely unrelated. Yeah, it's, it's actual like, ducks um, yeah, well, from outer space or something. Um, <laughs> but I did see I did see the Shaggy DA in there. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, and I saw some random, like, just some, I wish... I, I have um I had the app open a second ago. I think I still have it open. But like just some random titles that I guess were I'm gonna say maybe like sixties and seventies, maybe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like no, we yeah. we we had a we stumbled across a bunch of those when I was a kid and we would go to Blockbuster, me and my sister, and you know, the kids section was filled with crap like that. 
It was, uh, my sister in particular loved this one called Sammy the Way Out Seal. And mm-hmm. I do believe that's streaming now too. It was about some family that took in a seal that was sick. Like in, I don't even remember the plot line of it, but there was a, I know it ended up in a grocery store in a fountain or something. It, it was like a, it's, it's total sixties garbage crap. You know, it looks like it and it's all the same stuff from Disney there, but it's, uh, there's like the cat from outer space. Um, I did see that one. <laughs> oh God. The sh- you mentioned the shaggy DA, the shaggy dog, of course. Uh, the, like the Kurt Russell one, like the computer wore tennis shoes. Like what is the that... biscuit eater? I don't know what that one is. I remember seeing that one. I don't, I don't remember what it was. The but computer then... wore tennis shoes. You've never heard of that one? That's no. A, that's an early Kurt Russell. Uh, let's see. I believe that's a Disney. Uh, yeah, it's in like here. A, I'm looking. I'm looking at it right he's now. He's like a robot or something. That's such a weird. That just such a weird title, man. It's just so. And that's what the thing that that I was I was looking through this and I'm like, oh, okay. Here, so here's the stuff that I will never ever see. <laughs> oh wait, no. So wait, he was uh, he was this uh. Businessman was needed his computer repaired, so he hired a student, Kurt Russell, to fix it during an electrical storm. And during a, he received a shock, so he fused the the brain. The computer fused with uh, with his brain. <laughs> and I, I wonder what the computers are like in that movie. Just like, well, yeah. Keep in mind it was released in uh, 1969, so it's Jesus, not, man, it's not a. It's 50 years old. Uh, I bet. The, I bet that movie is. Fantastic. <laughs> it's uh it's got Cesar Romero and uh mm. and Kurt Russell, so yeah, um there's a bunch of stuff like that. I, I would love to delve into it. It'd be great to like pick one uh like one a week and just watch some weird shit like that, but we you know. We already have one podcast we're neglecting. <laughs> but hey, we can get all the 4K uh, to pick up that podcast where it left off, really. That, uh, this that is our, our new way to watch it. Re-MCU, yeah. It's a little more unified there. By the way, they remade the Computer War Tennis Shoes uh, in the 90s uh, with Kirk Cameron. So, Jeez. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that one's in there or going to be in there because it was an ABC uh, production, so. And then there's some weird stuff in here, like Turner and Hooch, which I'm, I was like, hmm, that doesn't, that's weird. Well, that's Touchstone, I believe. Yeah, and like Willow is in there, and, uh, yeah. That, I mean, all Mr. That Holland's stuff. Opus. Yeah, that's all Touchstone stuff. I'm curious, um, uh, and I haven't delved into it if they're adding like the, the 90, late 90s era Miramax, or did that stuff all go back to, to Miramax, you know, I, I don't remember. know, and I think I think that that therein lies the the difficulty I see in this in this service having legs is you know once you exhaust the catalog of what you want to do when you're past the Disney stuff, is there going to be enough material for people like me to continue to want to keep the subscription? You know, I can only watch you know, Mighty Ducks so many times before I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's move on to something different here. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the, uh, having the Fox catalog and the, you know, Disney catalog is, is pretty extensive. And I guess, but they're only that's... doing the family stuff. So even like, even the Fox catalog of stuff, like, uh, oh, they're not they're like, okay. Yeah, Cause they're not doing like alien here. And, uh, right. Right. Yeah. Or even going to, uh, to like X-Men, the X-Men stuff isn't there. At least for now, there might be a rights issue I, somewhere I assume in there. It, I assume it will be there since it's all PG thirteen. I mean Logan. Yeah, knows, but but I do wonder what what will come of you know some of the the stuff that they have in their catalog, but they don't have a place for. So I know that a lot of people said probably Hulu for some of that stuff, but you know I I, I think that there's going to have to be enough. And I we went through this weeks ago, so we don't have to relitigate. But you know I, you know there has to be enough material for adults. I think to want to make this a worthwhile investment um, or at least have the original programming be coming at a pretty, you know, steady clip so that there's always fresh stuff in there and there's not gaps of time where there's no new material for adults 
and it's just like watch Darkwing Dunk over again and or <laughs> bro bro the uh, Lizzie McGuire reboot is not going to be enough for you. Oh, I'm on board with that. <laughs> what isn't there something else that's getting a sequel reboot thing? Oh, than, um, than Lizzie McGuire. I feel like there's another Disneyland uh Disney Channel show but probably I'm... somewhere. What if they? What was the one with Shia LaBeouf? They need to oh, bring that one. The, uh, uh, Even Stevens. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I saw Even Stevens there, but maybe I missed it. Hmm. Interesting. Anyway, uh, Disney Plus. Oh, it's, uh, it's there. If you can, uh, if you can actually access it, <laughs> it's uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there. Uh, like I said, I did see The Mandalorian. I'm eager to see what other people thought of it because I don't think a lot of people have seen it yet. Just because it's been so buggy. Yeah, I'm going to um, watch that tonight. I'm going to make time for it. Uh, at the very least, watch that and then maybe the, the Goldblum episode. The Imagineering story does look good. and I, But I, and I saw the first episode was like an hour long, too. Yeah, I was reading a, an interview with uh, the director, Leslie Iwerks, who is uh, the granddaughter of Ub Iwerks, who was a collaborator of Walt Disney's. So it's pretty. Uh, she's pretty inside with it, so... Uh, I'm really eager to check that one out. That's that, and the gold blue moon looks fun. I hope it is fun, but we'll see. Uh, anyway, got anything else before we move on? No, I hope everyone uh enjoys the uh the thing, and and also just to let you know, I'm I'm just flipping through stuff quickly. Like all of the all of the old Disney stuff is like 4K, like Lion King, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, um, all that stuff is 4K. So it'll be interesting to go back and kind of maybe revisit some of those by the way did i tell you i finally watched the lion king uh the, oh, the live action ver- yeah did or you live action so to speak no i i have not i have that i have it at home but i haven't had the chance to watch it yet i watched it uh on the plane ride back from japan and i was not pleased with it <laughs> so <laughs> yeah anyway. so i've heard yeah uh all right let's go ahead and move on to reviews here are this week's reviews first up we have dr sleep Hi. You can hear me. You're magic. Like me. I don't know about magic. I always called it the shining. The world is a hungry place. A dangerous place. These people, they hurt people like us. These empty devils, they'll eat what chance. And they've noticed that little girl. Wow. Hi there. Get out of my head! Get out! I haven't felt power like that in so long. They're coming. Now, this uh, sadly sort of bombed at the box office. Yeah. This past weekend, losing to Midway, a movie I don't believe either of us saw. You didn't see Midway, I didn't did see you? it, no. Which uh, kind of surprises me. Uh, but, of course, this is a sequel to The Shining, both the book and the movie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, the, the, the book is kind of infamously different than the uh, novel by Stephen King. And he 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 uh, sort of very publicly hates the movie. Yes. Um, while the rest of the world very publicly loves the movie. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, so uh, this this uh, film is based on the sequel that he wrote. I think it's from 2013, Doctor Sleep, and it it blends the book and the movie. Uh, it blends the book sort of universe and the film universe together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't give a shit about the books, so I only care that it matches the movie. What did you think of Dr. Sleep? Well, you know, when you talk about the, the box office failure of the movie, when the story at the end of the day, it's going to, it's going to end up being a big loser, uh, in terms of, um, you know, box office performance. But I think you talk about marketing and I think you have to talk about, I don't know if it plays up the marketing that this is li- like literally and legitimately a direct sequel to The Shining. It's not a spin-off <laughs> or a reimagining or anything else. It is a it is very much a sequel to The Shining. Now, mm-hmm. do the events of The Shining 
matter or do you need to have seen the shining probably not i don't think though i do think that the theme the, the thematic elements of it really pay off um in, in big ways if you have seen the shining and kind of understand what that's about so you know it's directed by mike flanagan who um i i, th- I think is a really interesting filmmaker um the Haunting of Hill House is really fantastic on Netflix. That's a great series. And then he's done good work with Gerald's Game, another King adaptation, and, and Hush is another great one. And and I think this is no exception to add to his filmography of really solid work. Um, he, I think he captures a certain eeriness in, um, and, uh, and, and, and like I said, thematically, I think he explores everything in a, in a really satisfying way. I mean, at, at the core of this movie – it's it's about you know alcoholism. It's also about you know confronting trauma and uh, and especially childhood trauma, which is a big part, as I understand it, of of Doctor Sleep. The book is about confronting trauma, and um, and I think it does a really great job of that. And I also think that one of the things that one of my complaints about The Shining, and 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 yes, I think it is possible to complain about something that's universally considered one of the best movies ever. <laughs> um, is that it is a little bit vague when it comes to what the shining is and what and, and and like Danny's powers and abilities with the shining. And I think that you get a little bit of it with like the Scatman Crothers character and and Danny and you see that it's like yes it's being telepathic but it's also you know, sort of seeing the future or seeing ghosts in some ways. You know, I technically I believe what it is is it's that you're it's a mix between being like able to see the future and able to um to be telepathic. And um and so basically he was making ghosts manifest by the power of whatever. See seeing in the past and future, I should say, not just the future. Um mm-hmm. so you know, I, I think that it's really light on the mythology in The Shining and just really focuses on kind of Jack Nicholson unraveling in the movie. Yeah. And and I think that what Dr. Sleep does really well is it really builds the mythology in a really satisfying way. And I think, you know, the, the expanding upon it and seeing other people who have this similar gift, so to speak, um, and seeing how some people are using it for harm and some people are just kind of figuring out how to use it and then also seeing the character of danny really kind of fight it you know he's fighting against what this power and ability he has is because it's brought him you know a lot of grief in his life and a lot of trauma and i love the way that explores that and i love the way that it like the the acts kind of break out of him you know being an alcoholic to him kind of um, fighting the powers with this new person that comes into his life, and then ultimately kind of, you know, figuring out, okay, how can I tap back into this thing that I've swore off? And how can I, and, and then he, and then, you know, doing it in ways that kind of uh, are cathartic to him, and I think cathartic to the audience. And so, you know, I think Ewan McGregor's really good in it. I think that um, the star of the show is Rebecca Ferguson, um, who plays uh-huh. the the villain of the uh, of the movie? Who I think kind of eats up and chews up every scene that she's in in a, in a really fun way. And uh, and I think that it's you know it's not necessarily super scary, but I think that it's got a a really cool eerie vibe to it. Um, that uh that I that I, that I really like what it does the, to the mythology of the story and how it adds to it. Yeah, I I was um uh a bit a big fan of the film uh. And I had uh, just recently rewatched The Shining to kind of get a, a um, you know, get a refresher on it because it's it's old and I I know the beats by heart, but you know everybody does at this point. But it, it's one of those things that that when you watch it compared to Doctor Sleep, you do see the the sort of uh, focus being more on, on on Nicholson's character unraveling. You know, of course, like you mentioned, he's. And I think I saw this criticism somewhere else that in Stephen King's book, he's a he's a normal guy going, you know, losing his uh, losing himself to this madness. But in the film, he's more of an insane guy trying to be sane. Yeah. And I think that's something that does get a little lost in in the muck. You know, he's more you know, he's he's kind of a piece of shit guy. You learn slowly through the film. Um, But it 
Dr. Sleep, I think it, it, you, you mentioned it being like a three act thing and I never really thought of it that way. And it does really play out, um, nicely that way. It probably is too long. Um, I, I think the, the first act spends a little too much time wallowing in the misery of Danny Torrance. Mm, yeah. Um, but, but by the time it gets to the, to the middle and especially by the time it gets to the third act, the third act is one of those things that when, you hear people talk about it. You say the people say, oh, "I had a smile on my face the whole time because it's so." You know, it, it uses the the tropes you're familiar with from The Shining, yes, and the locale and everything else to to kind of tell this story in a different way. Um, I do wonder again with the marketing um, why it's not really played up as a sequel. So yeah, much. it's super confusing why they're not why they're not doing that. And and there's scenes where. And I, I wonder if maybe people think it's like a, a remake of some kind when they show like Danny on the tricycle in the halls of of the Overlook. But I mean, it, I don't know. It it just really does not. I, every commercial I watch or trailer I watch, I don't think gets the point across. And I think that's really unfortunate because it truly is a, a, a an instance of that. It tells a new story, but also it's something that's super familiar to you. And I mean, for real, literally, they're recreating scenes from the film, from the original mm-hmm. film in in Dr. Sleep, you know, in order to tell it cohesively. And uh, even to the point of recasting characters mm-hmm. uh, from the original, you know, with people that sort of look alike, which uh, I, 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 we hint, I hinted at this in a conversation with you the other day, but I, I can... I get that you weren't a big fan of that. Yeah, I, I, I it's it's hard to say. I, I don't know how I feel about it because I don't know how you do it otherwise, other than using like de aging technologies, which I think they could have done. Um, but then you have to have the participation of those who are there, either <laughs> either alive or not. <laughs> and um, and I think that you know. If you're going to do it, that's almost the way to do it. And I'm glad that it's at least consistent across the board. Like they didn't de-age certain people and then bring back new characters or whatever. It just, mm-hmm. it just feels, it felt to me a little bit like uh, an impression, um, at times where I feel like it was distracting for me. I, I don't know. I, like you said, I, I thought for sure we were going to get some, uh, you know, digital de-aging of someone or, or multiple actors. But I I liked the direction it went in, where it recast uh, the roles and with people that looked similar, um, and you know reshot those scenes essentially. Um, well, and, and in certain scenes, giving Danny the catharsis he needs to push the narrative forward, and 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 quite honestly, super important scenes that I feel like had to be in the movie. I mean, there's certain no, there's, yeah, yeah. It's not just a stunt. I mean, Wait, no, not at all. Part, it's part of the storytelling, and I I really appreciate that that, that was not treated as a stunt because, you know, Lord knows we don't need to see the ghost of Scatman Crothers resurrected, you know, in a in a to to fulfill some part of the plot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not not that I'm spoiling anything because everyone knows he dies in The Shining, but well, and also uh, he 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 does not die in The Shining book, so so the, that's right, one of the, right. That, that that was one of the big bridges that 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 Flanagan had to had to uh had to cover between the book and the film is that well what do you do in Doctor Sleep when that character has two different endings so yeah where he got an axe in the chest in one and I don't know walked away from the second I don't know uh but yeah it does uh from what I understand blend the ending of the original shining book into the climax of this film mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want to get too far in the weeds on the books here cuz I I I know that um, the Stephen King books are their whole are their own whole thing, but honestly, in the anecdotally, I've never heard anyone say they prefer the book of The Shining to the to the film. I have, which is really yeah. Anecdotally, yes, I certainly have. I but but those people do not do not are not like angry at it like Stephen King is. They are like this is one of my favorite movies ever, and the book is better, you know, like it's, it's always one and it's, and you know, and I think for those same reasons that King doesn't like it, except for it's not, it's not with as much anger, you know, it's, it's the idea that, you know, King thought that Jack Nicholson's turn was way too quick in the, in the Mm -hmm. movies and that, um, you know, you, you lose a lot of what Danny 
Danny's abilities and what Danny is able to do. And it's not really about Danny in in the movie. Um, right. The, in, Danny's barely a character in, in The Shining. Right. But but yet there's things that happen in The Shining that Danny is causing directly that mm-hmm. is just not really fleshed out. Which which I yeah. like I said, I really appreciate the, the, the not only the gaps that it fills in, but I honestly I don't know if you feel this way. And again, The Shining's a great movie. For me, Doctor Sleep makes The Shining better, I think. I think it adds context to the point where I have a I have a different and greater appreciation of The Shining as a result of of Doctor Sleep and I think that's just a testament to how good of a movie Doctor Sleep is as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree and I I again to echo that sentiment I think that you know the the Shining does kind of dispense with any sort of mystery uh pretty quickly and just makes Jack Nicholson crazy. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I mean obviously it's iconic it's an iconic uh, horror film, but uh, it does, and you know, maybe that was part of the storytelling at the time. I, I, I hesitate to judge a film that's 40 or 39 years old, you know, for its storytelling merits when that was just a different time. You know, I mean, that was when you watch a, a film from 1979, 1980, it's not necessarily uh, the same, the same degree of uh, pacing that you're used to, but I do think that this one in comparison, you know, when you watch it today, it does, it seems like, well, man, they just, he just sort of goes crazy and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you, when you watch Dr. Sleep, I think it does fill in the blanks. And again, why this is not being played up as more of a connection. I don't know. Um, the title kind of sucks. Yep. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but, uh, you know, the shining you know, to back to overload. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and, and you know, not to not to tie this too much into The Shining, even though it 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 does itself, I think it stands alone pretty well. And I think um, the stuff with Rebecca Ferguson is really good. It's mm-hmm. really creepy sometimes. Like there's a scene midway through the film where her, uh, I guess you'd call them like vampires, like soul vampires. Yeah, I mean they're they're yeah yeah I think that's fair. They 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 uh, make a kill. Yes, that is really <laughs> drawn out and disturbing. With a, a with a with a famous child actor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, and uh, I mean, which not it's a, not a spoiler. You know, it's coming instantly. So yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you know. So and then there's a scene. Um, is it after that? Yeah, it's after that where she kind of astral projects into. Oh man, those scenes are that's those scenes are cool as hell. I really like yeah, that stuff. Yeah, and she like flies through the sky, and uh, yeah, that stuff was really neat. Um, and you know, I, I think it's a damn shame that this movie kind of bombed. Yeah, and, uh, and, and 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 it is, and also too, we didn't talk about, but but the, I think that the relationship between. Danny and Abra are is like really solid in the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. And, Abra and I, is, I love the way that it kind of develops over time. Abra is of course the uh like a ten year old was she like thirteen year old girl who mm-hmm. also has the shining mm-hmm. that he kind of psychically psychically connects with. And she's extremely powerful. Yeah. Um yeah, I, I again I, I think it's just one of those things um um that that it's it's going to be one of those movies that people look back on like, oh, shit, how do we miss this? Yeah, I agree. And, yeah. and it's going to be like, oh, because Warner Brothers called it Dr. Sleep and didn't tie it into The Shining as uh, as implicitly as they should have and released it like two weeks after Halloween. So. Yeah, it was it was anyway. poorly timed, poorly, poorly marketed. It's a it's it truly is a shame because, you know, if you're looking at modern horror movies that can occasionally break box office you look at what jordan peele is doing and actually crossing over to make great you know box office figures this movie should have been a slam dunk and i don't know why it wasn't or you look at it yeah i mean uh you know just a few months ago it too breaks records um you know and that's a way worse movie i don't think it's a terrible movie but it's a way worse movie than this one yeah and it's not and it doesn't have a, a pedigree of uh you know, being a sequel to one of the most beloved thriller horror films of all time. And, um, I, yeah, I, again, baffled by this, but mm-hmm. what are you going to do? Okay. What's your grade for Dr. Sleep? Uh, I give it a solid B plus, man. I, I, I thought it was really good. I think that it, it, it's, it, you know, it's a Titan task to hold up to the shining. 
um, to even be on the same level of quality. And I think that it, it, it very much is. And, uh, it's not, it's obviously not as good as one of the best movies ever, um, as, as a whole, you know, filmmaking and film going experience, but it's, it's a very good movie and it's especially good for a horror movie. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I, I, I give it a B plus also. And I don't even think you really could, I don't know that it's really a horror movie. Yeah. I'm Yeah. It's more I mean, of a like a psychological thriller. I mean, I guess anytime there's blood gushing, you turn it into a horror movie. But yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the aforementioned scene that you did kind of puts it in the horror. Yeah, that is pretty slightly. disturbed. And when I, and you know when you have like psychic vampires or, or soul vampires or whatever, mm-hmm. I guess that's pretty. That's pretty much standard horror movie. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and move on to our next film, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. A reboot, boys, is when Hollywood wants to make a lot of money without the hassle of creating a new movie. So they take an old movie and change just enough to make you pay for the same shit all over again. Those greedy fucking animals. Oh, it's insidious. They take a flick you loved as a kid and add youth and diversity to it. For example, name the movie where a robot has secret plans that could help the good guys beat the bad guys and their leader in a black mask by blowing up a giant ray gun in space. Star Wars. No. The Force Awakens. See, now that's what you call a reboot. Nung. Thought that was a sequel. Hollywood doesn't make sequels anymore. Shit, they don't even make squeakles, yo. Studios have given up on new ideas entirely in favor of building multi-movie universes that breed brand-loyal customers from cradle to grave. So if you like Harry Potter, cash Shinigus, you're getting ten fucking more. You like the Fast and Furious flicks? We're gonna drive the franchise into the ground, bitch. Oh, you want another Marvel movie? Here we go. Hey, man, those Marvel movies are a triumph of cinema. I live on those Marvel movies. I live for those Marvel movies. I watch those Marvel movies more than I watch Pornhub, and I come twice as hard doing it. Three, two, one. Just an interesting tidbit. Um, You saw Dr. Sleep at a screening and decided on a whim to go see... Jay and Silent Bob reboot because it was playing at the same theater. Yeah, it, it was it, it, it was funny. I was looking on my phone um, doing something, looking at the theater movie times, and I saw Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And it's literally happened to be the only theater in town that's showing it uh, at this point in time. And I was like, should I stay? <laughs> and I was and I landed on yes. Yeah. And I, I ended up doing the same thing because I missed the Dr. Sleep screening. So I watched Dr. Sleep <laughs> and then Jay and Silent Bob at the only theater in town showing it. Yeah. Last week, because uh, it had a, a strange rollout. I believe it was a Fathom event first. Yes, it was a Fathom then- event first and then a road show. And I and I believe that once the road show played, it, pl- it played for like a week in that city at a random theater. OK, yeah. So I saw this, uh, uh, I guess, a, a month after it came out at uh, Fathom. I think it was mid-October, right? A Fathom release? Yeah, I, I think so. Exactly. Anyway, um, and we've talked about Kevin Smith on this show a bunch, um, and that's part of the that's part of the reason why I think we both decided we wanted to see this film is just to see what had become of all of this stuff. So let's just start. What did you think of of Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Well, so this is coming off of the heels of Kevin Smith's worst work of his career. I mean. Um, you know, by far, by yeah, far, by a very wide margin. I mean, I, I like, I like clerks too. I love, well, I, well, I love clerks too. I like Zach and Mary enough. Red state is fine. And then with Tusk and yoga hosers, he just fell off of a cliff. Um, and, um, really, I, I just, you know, really kind of dropped comedy, which was his bread and butter this whole time and apparently he's been doing good work you know with uh you know those cw shows he directs a lot of episodes of like the flash yeah yeah. um which apparently he's doing good work with that but um you know he had this incident where he had a heart attack and almost died and that apparently gave him a new perspective on life and so what he did was he wrote this movie and uh called in every favor he had for cameos and and, and created this sequel to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And, uh, you know, I was curious to see what happens when Kevin Smith is, is, is aiming for comedy again. And the results are about what you'd expect, um, from later Eric Kevin Smith. Um, I won't sit here and pretend like I didn't laugh, if, you know, several times. There is some funny stuff in here. Um, 
I, I, the problem is that one, it is, uh, it, it, it the jokes in the movie are at times <laughs> super obvious, you know, like the same right. old, like weed jokes that just aren't funny. And there's so many, there's so many scenes of like, Half of the movie is Jay being confused by modern technology or modern things where where a character goes on a long monologue explaining to Jay what something is after he goes, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like that's like half the script, I feel like. Um, some of that was some of that was funny. I'm not going to lie. I laughed at some of that. Yeah, but I, I, I some of it was good. And then you have the scene with Jason Lee, which was like like five minutes of it. Um, oh yeah, that I love Jason Lee, but man, that scene was too long. It was way too long. Um, the other problem I think that it has is that it's it's super sentimental in a really cheesy and corny way. Um, and I think that what happened was I think Kevin Smith was essentially making a movie for his daughter, and uh, his daughter is in the movie. Um, who has become a better actress, I would say, since uh, Yoga Hosers. Um, I think she's yeah, better. She, she's not bad. Uh, yeah, because she was also in um, Once Tusk, Upon a Time briefly. in Hollywood uh, as well. Oh, yeah, too. that's right. She had a small role as one of the Manson girls. But, yeah, uh, but, but you know, I think she's become better. But, but you know, this movie is, is you know, narratively, if you want to try to – I mean, look, the movie is meta to an annoying point. Um, you know, to the point where Kevin Smith <laughs> plays himself in the movie. I a- liked that. I actually really liked that. That was the funniest I've seen him be in a long time. I think it was fine, but again, it's just, it's so long. It's such a long sequence. Oh, um, no, I mean, everything is, it, the movie is like an hour and a half and everything feels too long. Yeah, uh, but but I, I just thought that the sentimental stuff was just really cheesy and really, um... You know, you know the, the father son or the father daughter storyline and the parallels of stuff, and you know, I, 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 it's it's not like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I think I think it's it's like it, it takes the meta spirit of it and like cranks it up to a thousand. You know, I did like stuff about I like I think the Fred Armisen stuff is really funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I I like that quite a bit, but well, but again, not because of the writing, but because of Fred Armisen. You know. Um, and then there's, you know, looks at some people who are, who look old as shit. <laughs> uh, and, and some scenes not to, I'm not going to call out anyone in particular, but I think you might know where I'm going with that. Um, are you, is this some mean old as shit? Cause I, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. Y- yes. <laughs> and, and okay. So there's a scene near the end of the film, and I believe that's the one you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Where, but, uh, um, and I mean, no spoiler that Ben Affleck is back. Yeah. Um as uh Holden McNeil. I really liked that scene. I don't I don't care if it's sentimental schmaltz. I think Affleck does a great job in that scene. Yeah. And I think it's like a uh it's a it's a knowing it's a there's a there's a weird scene with Matt Damon as Loki that make that has nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Um which, you know, winks at the fact that, you know, that this is a favor being called in, et cetera. And I think the, the Affleck one does that like one better. And I think it actually moves the story forward mm-hmm. in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, you know, I, I think it, it, tr- it's, it kind of reminded me a little bit of clerks too, because clerks too has some sentimentality in it. By the way, Jeff Anderson was like, fuck you guys. Yeah. I'm not coming back. What the hell was that about? Is I don't he, know. Man. What's he, what's he doing? Yeah. Brian O'Halloran is in there his multiple like times, several, several times. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's, uh, it's interesting to me, uh, that, you know, this is probably, hopefully the last time we'll get someone like Jason Mewes in a starring role. Cause he's, he's just never been that good. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think he does, um, occasionally hit on some decent, uh, sentimentality. Uh, I, I I will give him that. There are certain scenes where he plays the he plays the the emotional torture, if we can even call it that, of what his character is experiencing better yeah. than I thought he could. Yeah, uh, I mean his his fake teeth are distracting as a motherfucker throughout yeah. the whole thing. I assume he got methed out and and rehabbed, and uh, uh, it, it would be a little more interesting to me to have seen these characters grow a little bit. Because Silent Bob just sort of turned into a clown, 
uh, I, I don't recall the miming stuff being such a big part of his. I think it was. Yeah. But yeah, but it got a little ridiculous to a point like the cell phone thing. The cell phone thing was uh, dumb. Also, the the scene where Silent Bob speaks, I think, is a terrible scene. I don't know what why. Is he, what is he quoting? I don't know. That is not Kevin Smith writing. No, but it also doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense where they're at. It's not funny. <laughs> like the way they get out of it is not like it's that that whole sequence just sucks. And there and there are moments of this movie that just suck. And I and I. And I think that's I don't I can't really attribute it to anything other than just like it's just it's just Kevin Smith not being as sharp as he used to be. No. And, and, you know, the the Jay and Silent Bob stuff has never been the strong suit. It's never been meant to be something that's a main character. Uh, And I think that that's been the fault of it all. You know, I don't know that uh, he could ever return to that heyday of the late 90s, um, you know, writing because it was always the writing that was i mean this movie looks like garbage half the time yeah and clearly clearly people are not in the same place at the same time like that courtroom scene yes first of all was it shot in a fucking church <laughs> did you notice that it had like yeah. pews and stained glass and there's no extras oh and justin long is terrible <laughs> I don't know what his what his choices were. I I mean I assumed he was playing Brandon St. Randy from Zack and Mary Make a Porno. Oh, is that is I mean that it's the same voice. Oh, and he was okay. talking about gay things, so <sighs> I, I I'm impressed you remember that name. <laughs> <laughs> I I've seen that movie quite a few times. <laughs> but I mean like Craig Robinson's clearly not in the same scene at the same time and but the, uh, there is some good stuff they do with it. Like I think the Chris Hemsworth hologram is actually really funny. That is very funny, and there's a there's an outtake of that that's even funnier. There's <laughs> yeah. some there's some really funny fucking outtakes in this. Oh yeah, uh, like stuff that was like that's a really good joke. Like why did this get cut? Um, yeah, the Chris Hemsworth thing is is pretty funny. Um, and I do think that um, I I do sort of like the uh, it sets up uh. You know, uh, Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn. I don't, don't remember what her name is in the film. Whatever. It doesn't really yeah. matter. But sort of sets her and her friend up as the as a as a new Jay and Silent Bob, mm-hmm. which I hope it doesn't move forward. But I did kind of like the dynamic. You know, the the Silent Bob girl was. See, I thought was, that was cheesy as shit. Well, it's, it's fine. Um, the <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a, a bunch of stuff that's really bad. Um, but then it. Is it weird that it because it felt like he tried? I'm fine with it all. You know what? My takeaway from it is that I'm glad that he's trying again. And yeah. I I don't know that I don't know that I love the movie and and I still am on the fence of whether or not I can recommend it, but it's inoffensive. <laughs> it's not like terrible to watch. The the stuff that's bad about it I think is bad because it's like obvious or well, it's it's, it's, easy, very, it's low hanging fruit, you know. It's a very sincere sort of bad, if that makes sense. Like, it's yeah. not bad. Like, it's not the Tusk thing where it's like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we made this shitty movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's more of like, here's what we thought was funny when we wrote this. You know, it's not. I I, I don't I don't feel like it's malevolent malevolently not funny or malevolently dumb. I can't say that word. It's not like dumb to a point of being weaponized. It's just dumb because that's the fucking thing that made him laugh that day, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, it's not a good movie. Let's put it that way. It's not yeah. a good movie. But is it a good time? Sort of? Mm. I mean, there's a, there's enough in there, I think, that makes it okay. I don't know. There's it's It is nice seeing someone like Affleck do a role like that again, even briefly. Um the more I can get of Jason Lee, the better, because that motherfucker seems to fall off the face of the earth. Yeah. Um, which saddens me because I thought he was one of the best things that came out of Kevin Smith's. For sure, I'm whole, totally with um, you. Um, you know, uh, there's there's a really touching sort of outtake with uh, Stan Lee mm-hmm. that I really liked. Um, and you know, people like Craig Robinson do 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 fun work. Um. There was another one I can't remember what it, oh, Fred Armisen was was really good. I feel like there's another one I'm missing. Uh like a cameo that was that was a lot of fun that I I'm blanking mm, on. I'm trying to think. I don't know. Chris Hemsworth 
was was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> it's funny seeing like the people that were uh, like a. It's fun seeing uh, Brian Quinn from Impractical Jokers. Yeah, who was who was a hanger on for so long mm-hmm. that now is probably richer than than most of the people in the film. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> get a part in the film because i i've seen photos of him like working a view askew booth at the fucking comic-con yeah um, yeah that is great yeah th- and and i think that like i said i think that they're you know for just if we're looking and it's I, I know that it's hard to judge a movie like this by its narrative like skills but you know i think that the climax of the movie the kevin smith stuff storyline like the actual like kevin smith making a cameo thing I think that the idea is funny, but that scene takes way too long. And especially like the big twist of that scene, I think is just dumb. <laughs> oh, that is really stupid. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, um, the, there's some, uh, uh, cameos that are, that are all right. Like I think, uh, uh, I think Shannon Elizabeth kind of did okay. Ooh, I thought she was terrible. I thought she was I, I, I don't know. not good. But uh, the one that made me saddest was Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, man, I feel I I know that guy is sick as shit, but god damn it, <laughs> it was so sad to see him be silent and yeah, not say it was about um, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm trying to look at the the cast here. Oh yeah, um, there's a man. The Molly Shannon thing is really stupid. Yep. The South. <laughs> That's it. That there. is a that is a dumb joke drawn out for <laughs> several minutes. And then uh, I did like the uh, the James Vanderbeek and Jason Biggs. I thought they were funny. Uh, yeah, that was that was the... fine. That was fine. Yeah, they're, they're, it's just a bunch of stuff that you're gonna have to be like, oh, that part was all right. That yeah, part was was okay. Like, because the plot is fucking stupid as shit. Yeah, and you have to be uh, okay with with like being getting your greatest hits because that's essentially what it is. Because all the characters you think are gonna come back are probably gonna be back in some small tiny capacity, and uh, it's it's whether or not they do something valuable with it. Like, is it worth seeing? You know, is it worth seeing Ben Affleck back as as Holden again? And yes, I think it is. But you know, I'll not have you besperch the name of uh, of Joey Lauren Adams on this podcast. <laughs> My friend, because I know that's I know that's who you're talking about, you motherfucker. Actually, it wasn't. Was it really? No, you lying asshole. I'm not. I'm not lying. Who are Who are you saying to look too old? I'm not. I'm give, not. Give I, me. Just drop me a hint. Drop me a hint. You've said the name at some point in this conversation. Oh shit, yeah. man. I don't know. Then I'll tell you off, Mike. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's your grade for Jay and Silent Bob reboot? Uh, I'm sorry, but I can't recommend it. I've got to give it a C plus. I got to say, <sighs> I I I think that it's Kevin Smith's best movie in a long time, and I he is trying. He is making an effort. I don't think it gets there, but I also don't think it's torturous like Yoga Hosers and Tusk were. Hey, you know what? I'm gonna give it a B minus. Finish this motherfucker off. You're you're like me. You're in your 40s. You grew up with this shit. Just might as well see it through to the end. Because I, I think this is it. Like, I really think Clark's it's three, it. baby. I, no, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but they've been, he's been talking about Clerks 3 and Mallrats 2 and, and all this other shit for years. This has to be it. If and And, like, just let it be it. And go see it. You know what? Don't go see it. Whenever it comes to Netflix or whatever the fuck, uh, Saban Plus or whatever other fucking streaming service pops up after this shit. <laughs> Saban Plus. <laughs> Go s- watch it and then be like, you know what? All right. Cool. Like, it's it's done. Because, I mean, I, I, we've talked about this 10 million times, but I can't overstate how important those movies were to me as a teenager. Sure. Yeah, me too. But, uh, you know, seeing... You know, being a 40 year old guy on the other end of this thing is, uh, you know, it's a little sad to see it kind of devolve into nothing because it hasn't he hasn't gotten better. He's just gotten worse as a filmmaker. Um, But But he has he has he also hasn't really touched on the contemplative stuff that you would think that a very personal filmmaker would do in his later years. Um, or his yeah, older true. age, you know. I think Clerks Two was kind of supposed to be about that, but he was still, 
you know, in his thirties, I believe when he made that. So, you know, I think he, I think he said in the past, like clerks was about what it was like to be 25 clerks Two was about 35 or whatever. And I, it's just, I, I wish that, you know, at some point he would take this very personal humanistic writing style that he's always been known for and like apply it to something that people gave a shit about instead of making movies about a guy who's fused with a walrus like i mean (laughs) there's just it's been such a weird career second half for him and i hope that he does something good i still think that somewhere in him he's got a really good movie left because i think that he's a talented writer i just don't know if we get to see it or not you know i don't know if he's gonna ever do it yeah, I agree. And I, I, the more I think about Clerks 2, the more I appreciate it. I'd really like to go back and revisit it because it's been an awful long time, but I feel like that was probably the, the high watermark of what we're going to get from, uh, from him for a long from time. From like post Jersey anyway, Girl app or post Jersey Girl Kevin Smith. I, you know, and Jersey Girl, I think it's, gets, gets, uh, wrongly shit on. I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's great, but I don't think it's terrible. I mean, it, it had the, uh, misfortune of being, released in the in the prime of everyone hating Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. But uh yeah, I don't I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's it's I think Carlin has a great role in that. Carlin's film. amazing in Jersey Girl. He's yeah. fantastic. Uh let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Parasite. Is it okay with you? We're a whole new world. It's a painter. It's a painter. It's a painter. It's a Okay, I didn't see Parasite, uh, but you did, and I've heard nothing but great things about this film. So, uh, what did what did you think of Parasite? Well, nothing but great things, Jared. Uh, hey, well, give us some background on it. It's a it's a Korean language film. It is. It's uh, it's uh, I believe his name is Boong Joon Ho. Uh, he is a director um, that you may know from uh, – most recently, uh, Okja was uh, a Netflix movie that he did, um, but really known uh, for his really creative work that he did in like Snowpiercer um, was, his, uh, was his movie and also The Host, which is a pretty cool monster movie. And um, it's really been um, – it's really been uh, kind of gaining a lot of steam – in terms of buzz for not only the foreign film Oscar, but like breaking through to uh, the best picture, best director category. And I think that that kind of, um, that kind of talk is, is not premature. I I think that it's um, honestly well-deserved and I don't want to go too much into it or get too into the weeds because this is a movie, you know how every so often you'll hear a movie where it's like, you should probably go in and not know anything. Um, I, I think right. that Parasite is one of those movies, but you know, what it boils down to, to put, make it to its simplest idea that's even in the trailer is that, you know, this, this, um, this, this family that's a little bit, uh, poor, um, finds a way to work for a rich family starting off as a math tutor. I'm sorry, an English language tutor for their child. And then slowly but surely they, the rest of the family tries to find jobs, um, working for this rich family. And so, um, 
And so, and then eventually a bunch of stuff happens. But, um, so, so, you know, thematically, it's very much about class. And, you know, you'll see very quickly, you know, what the title means of Parasite and that. And, um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's such a well directed, well crafted movie. It's, it's well written. It's funny at times, but also super dark. Um, it does a great job of explaining sort of at times anger between the differences between classes and capitalism and, um, and then while also being a super gripping, um, kind of a can't take your eyes off of it. I don't know what's going to happen next type, uh, storytelling. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know, technically speaking, it's, it's a really great movie. You'll, you'll see a lot of articles. There's a, you know, most of the movie takes place in this really beautiful mansion house. And, uh, and you'll find that the production designer designed it himself and they built it just for this movie. Um, which is such a cool little thing to know once you've seen the movie. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, this is the kind of stuff that I wish that more people would see. And they are seeing, they're, they're thinking that it may actually, it crossed $11 million total. And they think it could hit like $20 million US, um, all said and done, which would be awesome for a foreign film. Um, uh, but this is the type of movie when, when, when you think that, you know, more people should watch movies in other languages from other countries. This is a prime example of what I would show them. Like, check this out. Like, He's doing things that not a lot of other directors can do with this type of skill. And, um, and I think it's just such a cool way of, uh, telling a story. I, I, I love the, the, the way that the movie sets up. I, I really, really like the setup of it all. And then at, at, at one point during the movie, the rug is sort of pulled out and, uh, it's done in really spectacular fashion. So I can't say enough good stuff about seeing this movie. I would see it in a theater if you can see it with a crowd, which I mean, the movie I went, the showing I went to was sold out, uh, at, at Alamo Draft House. So, um, it's, it, it's becoming, I think people are starting to get wind of, of how good it is. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to get, like I said, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a super, super good movie. All right. What's your grade? Uh, I give it an A minus, and I do. I would say wow. that it is the best movie I've seen this year thus far. Wow! Look at you. Look at yeah. you. A minus. So A minus, bro. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Oh man, we have a ton of stuff coming up. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think next week it's a little light. Um, I, I Ford versus Ferrari is the big one. Um, that at least on my radar. Um, I know Charlie's Angels is out too. Uh, I don't know that we'll cover that. Maybe. Um, um, I skipped a screening of it last night because I was not terribly interested in it. Yeah, um, I, I am terribly interested in Ford versus Ferrari, though. Um, mostly because yeah, I, I, I love both of those actors. I had to. Uh, I had to skip the screening last week. I just. I was too sick to go. Um, but yeah, I'm looking, and it's James Mangold, and I've really liked James Mangold stuff the last few years. Um, and I, I've heard it's, I've heard it's pretty good, but, um, yeah, it's get, we're getting into the time where it's, uh, a lots of, lots of great stuff is coming out pretty quickly. I think you said you had six screenings in four days. Yeah. Next week we up. have, we have six screenings in four days. Um, and I think I'm only going to go, I mean, I can, the most I could go to would be four and I think I'm going to do two of those. <laughs> I'm starting to get them in the mail now too. So yeah, that's going to be a nice, a nice change of pace to, to be able, you know, we, we hit this pocket of like, you know, six weeks maybe where we don't have to leave our homes if we don't want to for <laughs> movies and it's super I, nice. I do have a screening uh, tomorrow night for um, the, the Mr. Rogers film um, that's oh. across town. That's across town. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're not. We're, they're so, not getting that in San Antonio. Oh, I'm sorry for that. Yep. They sent, uh, they sent us a, a box at work um, with a bunch of swag. Um, it's for like World Kindness Day, but it came with a Mister Rogers sweater. Oh, it was very sweet. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. Next week we have. I have some cool stuff that I'm really looking forward to. Um, stuff that's not gonna some some of the stuff's not gonna be out for a while. We're also not getting. Oh no, we are getting knives out. I just can't go. Um, but that's not until the 27th, I think that comes out. So yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll be seeing a lot of stuff that we have to sit on probably, but, um, I would like to talk Ford versus Ferrari next week. And then maybe we'll cover like a Disney plus movie or something. If we're able to, you know, watch that or talk Mandalorian or something, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm thinking, uh, at some point this week, uh, my wife will want to watch, uh, Lady and the Tramp. Mm-hmm. So that might be something that's a little more interesting since, uh, you, I think you just dropped your first my wife on this show. 
Oh, that, my wife. My wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I should say it for now. I'm like it's like it's 2004. But my wife. There's a there's a a funny recurring gag on Comedy Bang Bang where where anytime Scott Ackerman talks about his wife or anyone talks about their wife, they have to say it like that. <laughs> it makes me laugh every time. Yeah, it's um, uh, Lady and the Tramp is something I'm I'm curious to see how they handle it because it's uh, I I don't really remember the original film. I know I've seen it, but all I remember is the spaghetti thing. So, yeah, anyway. I that's all I remember too. Really, I was actually just about to say that, but I didn't want to admit it. <laughs> all I remember is the spaghetti thing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. You can find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnobnet. Um, you can uh, um, share my Disney Plus login if you like. Um, <laughs> what icon did you pick for yourself? Uh, I uh, I think I picked Donald Duck because it was the only one that would load. Ah, uh, I did I did Spider Man. Oh, look at you! Pew pew! That's the webs. <laughs> You're just shooting your web fluid all over the place <laughs> on Disney Plus. <laughs> hmm. All right. Uh, anything else? Oh, by the way, it's the it's the Marvel Spider Man, but they have or the uh, but they have said that those movies will not be on Disney Plus. Um, at least oh, for yeah. quite a while. But when you look up, because um, I I did some searching by character. Uh, there's a I think on the, at least on the iPhone app you could search by a character, and I there was like Spider Man, and it has everything that has Spider Man in it, and it has Civil War and Endgame. Yeah, those uh, movies are there for sure. Yeah, so I guess that's what they're doing. I don't know. It's so complicated. And, Who and even stupid. has time? I don't know. All right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Vifania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.